Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fat for Weight Loss Show. Today, I am talking all about nut and seed flowers with regards to keto baking, and we'll get to it right after this. An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. So I'm super excited to be talking to you today about these different types of nut flours. This is the second episode in the Keto Baking series on my Fat for Weight Loss show podcast. Um, Now, I've used a lot of different flours, a lot of different seed flours and nut flours, and I know a lot about how they work in the ketogenic baking uh, area. Um, And I just want to let you all know that on the 9th of July, I will be releasing a brand new cookbook that is called the Keto Sweet Tooth Cookbook and it contains 80 low-carb keto recipes for cakes, cookies, pies, fat bombs, shakes, ice creams, and more. And I'm super excited for it to be uh, coming out. You can pre-order this cookbook for five dollars less than what it will actually cost you uh you know on the 9th of july right now so if you do want to head over to the show notes of this podcast you can click on the link that will take you to the amazon pre-order and you will um, be able to get that book a little bit cheaper so if you do want to get the book uh definitely go ahead and grab that link and go ahead and purchase the book because man it is such a great book and it has all of the absolute stars from my website but also ones that are unique to this cookbook actually the majority of these recipes are unique to this cookbook um so i mean there's there are so many recipes in here uh i don't even know where to start (laughs) but let's talk about nut flowers maybe i can get into the actual recipes in another podcast and if you do want to get into the actual recipes inside this book then definitely go ahead and pre-order that uh release and you'll be able to get it for a tiny little bit cheaper which is fantastic so let's talk about nut flowers um you know, why would you want to use nut flours in the first place? Well, you know, because wheat flour is inexpensive, um, you know, but it also has come with a lot of serious health issues, including obesity, heart disease, celiac disease, and diabetes. And I mean, all of those things don't necessarily exactly correlate with wheat flour, but the excessive amount of carbs that comes from eating your typical dessert that is laden with sugar, laden with flour, 
all those different types of things um, will definitely lead to those down the track. But nut flours, on the other hand, are very low in carbohydrates and don't elicit a strong glycemic response to the body. And if you remember from our previous episode where we were talking about the different types of sweeteners, we focus on the glycemic index of those sweeteners. So will those sweeteners increase your blood sugar levels? You want to do the same with nut flours. So any of these nut flours, will they elicit a strong glycemic index or a a strong glycemic response Um, so there's a few ones that won't and we'll go into that Um, but you basically just want to stop using wheat flour because it's not the greatest thing (laughs) Um, and you know I think that uh, there are several excellent nut flour options to use and we'll go through those right now in fact so the first one and the one that I use probably the most is almond flour Um, and Almond flour is essentially ground up almonds that have been blanched. So when you blanch almonds, the skin comes off. And basically what blanching is, is that you drop them in hot water for about three minutes. Um, The skins will become loose from the actual nut and you get rid of the skin on the outside and you just have the inside. Then what you do is you grind that nut up until it resembles a flour. And that's exactly what nut flour is or almond flour. If you can't buy it, then you can definitely buy almonds and grind those up yourself if you have a food processor. Um, The difference between almond flour and almond meal, what we were talking about before is the difference between blanched and non-blanched almonds. So almond meal is typically where they leave the skin on, um, they leave that fibrous husk around the almond still on, and it will be a darker color. So the actual nut flour contains all of the uh, outer husk as well, so it will be darker in color. I generally use almond flour most of the time. Almond f- almond meal is what's it is uh, commonly called almond flour in Australia. Here, um, you go to Coles and Woolworths and you look at the packet and it says almond meal, but it's all white, and you go, "That's almond flour." <laughs> so I don't know what the difference is there. I'm not sure why Australia is being particularly difficult with that. But they're all almond flour. Now, the thing with almond flour is that you need to use a binding agent for it to work similar to uh, wheat flour. Now, wheat flour has this special thing in it that is called gluten. Now, you've probably heard of gluten and celiac disease a lot. Uh, Gluten is a protein, and gluten is the part of the wheat flour that helps it bind together. And when you make pizzas, uh, you know, you see those, um, the chefs spinning the pizza base on their on their hands and they spin it around and it gets a really elastic sort of um, pull to it that is gluten that is what gluten does it helps um, you know bind the the particles of wheat together so that you can actually stretch it and in pizzas in particular you have to have a flour that is higher gluten than something like a bread or something like a um, you know ordinary just plain flour so that's what gluten does. Now, almond flour doesn't have gluten in it. Almond flour doesn't have any binding agents in it. So you can use a, a, a like a, what's called a binding agent. And there's different types of binding agents. There's xanthan gum, guar gum, gelatin, agar agar, and psyllium husk powder. Now, all of those are um, great binding agents to use. And we will get to that in the next episode of this podcast series. But that's sort of the breakdown of almond flour. Now, almond flour, um, what's important to remember is whilst you need to use a binding agent, you also need to know the ratio of how much almond flour do you use compared to wheat flour. And almond flour is the most simple because it is a one-to-one relationship. 
Basically, if you have a recipe that has one cup of wheat flour, you would replace that with one cup of almond flour, but you would also need to add a binding agent. So for one cup of almond flour, I typically use about a half a teaspoon of xanthan gum or guar gum. They are interchangeable. Um, anywhere from a tablespoon or two of psyllium husk. And gelatin has its own properties because gelatin... Um, sort of gives things a chewy taste or can set but uh, isn't necessarily fantastic in um, as a binding agent between flowers if, it, if it's not cooked um, so i would lean more towards the xanthan gum or guar gum stage or psyllium husk particularly if you're making bread now uh, almond flour is fantastic to use but what about people who are allergic to almonds or allergic to nuts now that's where coconut flour and sesame seed flour come in. I'll, I'll talk about coconut flour first. Now, there is a little caveat here where most people who are allergic to nuts are also avoiding coconut because they believe it's a nut um, because it has nut in the name. Um, but, it, but technically, it's a droop. Um, it's a fruit and it's a, a, a droop fruit. <laughs> um, and what happens is that, you know, out of caution, most people just avoid coconut flour. And that's totally fine. Um, I will talk about that when I talk about the sesame seed flour in a little bit because that's the ultimate flour. But when you talk about coconut flour, you need to also know the ratio of how much coconut flour do I use if I'm trying to replace gluten uh, flour or, you know, just normal wheat flour or even gluten-free flour. So for one cup of flour, you would use one quarter of a cup of coconut flour. Now, let me repeat that because some people get this really, really wrong. <laughs> um, one cup of normal flour equals one quarter of a cup of coconut flour. And I hope that makes sense because, um, uh, you know, some people get really confused about that, that you know, whole conversion. Uh, and it's because people complicate it by saying that you need three times the amount of liquid. In actual fact, you just need three times less of the flour to um, have the same amount of liquid that you would normally use because calculating and manipulating manipulating liquids in a recipe is harder than actually just reducing the amount of flour that you need okay so coconut flour if you are using one quarter of a cup of coconut flour um, it depends on what you're using it for but i would also use maybe a quarter or a half a teaspoon of xanthan gum or guar gum um, you can a lot of people use gelatin in there or psyllium husk and that's fantastic now coconut flour is really really good um, for things that need to either be thin or they need to um, have no nuts in it <laughs> um, <clears throat> now gram for gram coconut flour is slightly higher in carbohydrates in uh, than almond flour but the caveat is you only you only need a quarter of the amount so um, the actual carbohydrate content of coconut flour is much less because you need much less of it to make the same ingredients so for any recipe that you find on the internet whether that's my recipe or whether that's moving forward because i want to be able to educate you uh for you know just normal ordinary keto baking as well one quarter of a cup of coconut flour is all you need um to replace one cup of either almond flour or or wheat flour so coconut flour is fantastic, but as I said before, that some people avoid coconuts because they have a nut allergy, um, and particularly for kids going to school, they can't take nuts or peanut butter, things like that, because of, uh, you know, some kids might have anaphylactic shock if they see peanut butter or touch peanut butter or talk to someone who's been eating peanut butter. So um, 
you know, almonds are sort of in that same category. Uh, and so coconut flour can also be maybe on one of those lists that are excluded. This is where sesame seed flour comes in and it is fantastic. So, okay, sesame seeds, uh, you think about um, just normal sesame seeds that you find in your store, you can grind them down and make sesame seed flour in uh, from that. Uh, you can also buy sesame seed flour. I've never done that because for one, they don't sell it at the shops really, so you have to order it online. Uh, and if you do order it online, it's it's expensive. So why wouldn't you just grind your own? So basically all I do is I figure out how much sesame seed flour I need in a volume measurement. Uh, so if I need one cup of sesame seed flour, then I put one cup of sesame seeds into the food processor Grind those up until it resembles a flour texture. Now, you don't want to take it too far because it will turn into a paste. So don't take it too far. Just grind it into a flour and then you would use sesame seed flour as a one-to-one ratio for almond or wheat flour. Um, again, you would need a binding agent of, of some sort, but that ratio is the same as almond flour. So if you have one cup of wheat flour, you would be using one cup of sesame seed flour. Now, the sesame seeds I used I uh, are like a light color, so I believe they are either blanched or dehusked. Um, and I find sesame seed flour a really, really good option for those who are either nut-free or... Um, you know, those who are just trying to be low carb because sesame seeds are pretty low carb in themselves. Um, so sesame seed flour is fantastic. Again, you would need to use a binding agent. So something like xanthan gum, guar gum, those ones I use all the time. You can experiment with gelatin, um, agar agar, which is sort of similar to gelatin, but just a vegan version of that. Uh, and any vegetarians or vegans out there would know about agar agar. Uh, and then you can also use psyllium husk and psyllium husk has been uh, used particularly in a lot of bread recipes because it gets that rise it gives a really great gelatinous um, sort of texture so that's that uh, sesame seed flour is fantastic uh, one thing that most people get wrong is that they believe that using gluten-free flours or flours that have been marketed as gluten-free is okay on the ketogenic diet but what most people don't realize is that gluten-free flours are generally made out of products that are high in glycemic and remember what we were talking about in the first episode with sweeteners, you don't want sweeteners to bump up your blood sugar levels because the keto diet or ketosis is a pretty binary situation. You're either in ketosis or you're not. Glycemic index will bump you out of ketosis. So gluten-free flours are generally not keto-friendly because um, they, there's there's so much confusion as to which flours are truly suitable. Uh, and many flours are labeled as gluten-free, such as rice flour, cassava flour, or besan flour, which is just ground up chickpeas aren't actually keto-friendly because of that um, GI value. While these flours are indeed gluten-free, they actu- they're actually higher in carbohydrates than regular wheat flour, so they should be avoided. Um, you know, plain wheat flour has a glycemic index of around 75, whilst almond flour has a GI rating of less than 1. Uh, so we're, we're, we're doing good things by replacing normal wheat flour with either almond flour, coconut flour, sesame seed flour. Um, and you can also use psyllium husk as a flour. But again, it's more of a binding agent. Um, so I would use it as a binding agent because it tends to be quite expensive. I wouldn't be using a cup of uh, psyllium husk powder very often unless you're trying to do something very, very particular. 
So I hope that information is being given uh, in a you know informative way, and I hope that that you learn a lot about keto baking when you talk uh, to your friends, when you go into the kitchen and you look at a recipe and you go, hmm, that's not going to work because I know that cassava flour is not keto friendly, <laughs> or decent flour, or you know whatever it is. Uh, so you know the more knowledge you have, the better you, the better able you are going to be able to stick to the ketogenic diet. And I'm not saying that those other flowers uh, should be avoided at all costs. I'm just saying that if you're following a ketogenic diet and you're trying to keep your carbs low, then it's best to avoid them. Um, so again, uh, my brand new cookbook is available out, uh, you know, wherever you can find great cookbooks um, <laughs> on July 9. And I'm super, super excited for that to come out. It is called the Keto Sweet Tooth Cookbook. Again, if you want to pre-order a copy, the link is in the description of this podcast. So go ahead and check that out. It's got 80 low-carb ketogenic dessert recipes for cakes, cookies, pies, fat bombs, shakes, ice creams, and more. It has my famous chocolate chip cookie recipe in there. It's got snickerdoodles. It's got biscotti. It's got salted caramel blondies. It's got peanut butter cookies, gingerbread cookies, hmm, coconut custard, sticky toffee pudding. Uh, what else has it got? Strawberry cream parfaits, chocolate pudding, raspberry souffle. Yeah, that one's actually really awesome. Um, it's got normal custard, cinnamon donuts, Boston cream pie. Oh, actually, that recipe is really good. And the tiramisu recipe is really, really good too. The pictures are delicious. Um, I'm just super excited for this to come out. So again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you do want to go ahead and leave a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. <laughs> but if not, go ahead and check out the recipe book. Keep that link. Um, don't do it while you're driving. Uh, just save it for later. And I will be talking to you very, very soon.